Welcome to podcast number 51 for Thanks for Your Service. Our focus is on historical topics relating to the Australian military. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter and YouTube. Just search for Thanks for Your Service. Our website is www.thanksforyourservice.net. Stalag Luft III is probably best known for the movie The Great Escape, which dramatises a real-life camp breakout during World War II. Kristen Alexander joins us to chat about an Australian angle involving Stalag Luft III. Joining us on the line from Canberra is University of New South Wales Canberra graduate and adjunct associate lecturer, Dr. Kristen Alexander. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for inviting me, David. I'm, I'm really pleased to be speaking with you. In March this year, you received the Australian War Memorial's 2021 Brian Gandivia Prize for Australian Military Medical History. First off, what's the award about? Well, the, the Memorial's Brian Gandivia Prize is awarded to an outstanding honours, masters or doctoral thesis on a significant subject on military, social or medical aspects of Australian wartime history. And it was established to commemorate Dr Gandivian's contribution to Australian military and medical history. He worked for the War Memorial for a very long time and uh, was, was a great advocate for Australian military and medical history. And the Brian Gandivia Prize, um, is one of the most generous awards for postgraduate studies in Australian history. So it really is a significant prize for um, recent graduates. And I'm, I'm really proud to be the fifth recipient of the award. Mm, and many congratulations. What was your award for? It was for my PhD thesis um, entitled Emotions of Captivity, Australian Airmen Prisoners of Stalag Dulf III and Their Families. And I completed that, as you mentioned, at UNSW Canberra in 2020. So I wrote some of it during lockdown. I submitted during lockdown. Mm. Now, people may remember that Stalag Luft III is famous for another historical um, issue during World War II, which was the Great Escape. But why did you pick it? Um, there, there were a number of reasons sort of all factoring into it, playing around. Firstly, it wasn't necessarily Stalag Luft III at first. I'd been writing about Australian aviation for more than a decade, probably about 15 years or so. And I started to wonder generally how they felt when they couldn't fly. Uh, So I, I put a lot of effort into describing the experiences of pilots and how they felt with their, when they flew, um, sort of their emotions. And so I wondered how they felt when they couldn't fly and not because they were knocked out of the sky because of death, uh, which they had accepted as something that might happen, but because they had become prisoners of war, um, which was actually something that had never occurred to them. So I wondered how they'd cope. And the idea of Starlight Luft Three, I guess, was a gradual evolution. Firstly, I had a friend who was a prisoner there um, and we'd been emailing for over a decade and he, he would tell me some of his experiences of life there. But also I came across Jimmy Catanar of Melbourne who was one of those five Australians killed in the Great Escape. He was only 
22 when he was killed. And I I wondered about his experiences. So I had I had two reasons for coming to Salad Look 3, but also very pragmatically, I guess, um, because along with Colbert Castle, Salad Look 3 is perhaps the most well-known, certainly the rena- most renowned, even notorious, of the German prisoner of war camps. So there's, there was that, there's actually a lot of knowledge or interest out there. Um, but not much had been written about the Australians. So I was originally thinking about writing a biography or maybe um, sort of a multi-biography of the five Australians killed in the post-grad escape reprisals and the one escaper who survived. Um, but then more, the more I researched it, I became, I realised that there was more to life in Starlight Look 3 than The Great Escape. And so then I decided I'd actually like to do something more along the lines of a camp history, or at least a collective account of the Australians who were imprisoned there. There were 351 Australians that I've discovered so far anyway. But I didn't have the skills to do that because, as I said, I'd only ever written biography um, delving into the lives of one person. So I decided to embark on the doctorate um, because I believe that would help foster the skills I needed to do this collective account. And now I'm taking what I learnt through researching the PhD and I'm reworking that into a book. Mm. And that a good segue into my next question. You are writing a book. Can you tell us a little about that? Okay, um, the book's working title is Beyond the Great Escape, Captivity, Trauma, Resilience and the Australian Airmen of Scarlet Bluff 3. And in it, I explore the airmen's experience of captivity from capture until death. And I show the reader that captivity for many had a lifelong legacy. And I also show how captivity affected their loved ones the women and families who waited, um, who missed them, who actively helped to make their lives as comfortable as possible. And in particular, the the sweethearts, the fiancés, the wives of the men who suffered great loneliness and great strain in their separation, um, great challenges to their relationships. Um, So... Beyond the Great Escape moves from camp to the post-war decades. And that's actually not something that you see a lot of in POW books. They generally stop when the the gates are thrown open and the the men rush out into the world, so to speak. Um, And that that perception that some of them may have lived happily ever after. But can you give us um, an insight into, say, one of the airmen that, that you write about in the book? Okay, um, one, of, one of the airmen is Albert Hake from Sydney and I was very fortunate to, his, his family provided copies of his letters uh, to his, his young wife, Nola. So I, I have his letters to her and he, he was one of the Australians killed in the Great Escape. So I can follow... How he felt, his emotions when he was captured, um, life in camp, but also too in the lead up 
to the Great Escape. He suffered terribly um, the separation from his wife. And you could see in his letters too that she was becoming more um, independent of him and was able to make decisions about you know, her own life and, and their futures. And he wasn't part of that decision-making process. So you could see the original, the initial letters was reasonably happy presenting a cheery outlook. But as time progressed, he just became more and more depressed. And ultimately, and she didn't know this, so there are hints in the letters, he became involved in the escape organisation. He was the compass maker. And um, he drew a ticket to go on the escape. And he, he desperately wanted to get home. And his final letter to her, he, he, he had that sense of foreboding that things might not work out. And he says to her, remember me. And I can follow her to a certain extent through her personal life. She never married again. She put memorial notices in the paper every year. And um, she wore her widow's badge in of him. And when she died, she um, she was cremated, and her ashes were buried by her family in um, Orange Crematorium Gardens. Mm. And and Orange is where I came from, so it's where she she settled after many years of widowhood. And there's a dual plaque, one one for her and one for him. So they were reunited symbolically in death. So that's just one of, one of the men that I follow, but I, I also look at the, the five great escapers. But there are a lot of other men. I was, I was very privileged to um, be given dual correspondence, as in letters from the woman, letters from the man. So I could see both sides of captivity, and that's why I was able to follow the, um, the experiences of the women and, and how they they suffered as well, and also how they supported their men. But I also interviewed uh, children and grandchildren of um, the men of Dalag Luft III, and they were able to tell me about how captivity affected them. Um, they could tell me stories of their father, but also how captivity affected them. And that's how I was able to do a whole of life um, and, I guess, a transgenerational account of Starlight Luft III. So I was very fortunate there. And, and then, of course, you know, delving into the archives and including, say, divorce records because many had challenging post-war lives mm. um, and you know, medical records so that we could actually see the physical and psychological effects. And I guess the most significant thing for my thesis and the book was I conducted a series of 10 interviews with a former Starlight Wolf III prisoner of war who lived here in Canberra. His name was Alec Arnell. He only died last year at 101 years of age. Wow. And I was able to get... not So I was able to follow his experiences as well as a young pilot who was captured um, and how he experienced captivity. But also he was able to talk... Um, about the collective experience. So I was, I was able to get a dual perspective and in many ways it would not have been written without Alex. Hmm. 
do you have a publishing date for the book yet? I'm still working on it. Um, you know, you, uh, an author will tinker until kingdom come, <laughs> but it, it's currently under consideration, so there, there's no date. Hmm. Um, take time. And the title might not even be the same. Publishers and authors generally have different ideas about how a book should be titled. But Beyond the Great Escape is the working title for the moment. Now, you've also written five other books on Australian aviation history. What are they about? Okay, but the first one, it was um, quite called, well, Air Race, and it was about Australia's highest scoring Second World War fighter ace. The second one, another biography, was Jack Davenport's bow fighter leader. And that was the one doing the research for that. That was how I encountered James Catanar. Um, but in that book, I told the story of a young Australian in Bomber and Coastal Command who rose from a green pilot who had difficulties locating the target on his first Bomber Command operation to become a superb pilot leading successful strikes against German shipping. The next one, Australian Eagle, uh, was a collection of mini biographies of five Australian pilots and one adopted Australian who fought in the Battle of Britain. And the fourth, another Battle of Britain book, I was well and truly into the Battle of Britain during that period, but it, it's a more detailed account of the experiences of eight Australian Battle of Britain fighter pilots, a really intimate account of their, their lives and deaths. Seven of them died, so I was able to trace their lives, again, mainly through letters, um, and also was able to highlight the experiences of the women who loved them. And my sixth and final book so far um, was Taking Flight, a, another biography, but this one, a total change of direction. It was of a 1930s pioneering aviatrix, Laurie Bonney. Goodness. Now, in going back to your thesis, can people read it? Where, where can they find it? Okay, it's actually embargoed at the moment, and mm -hmm. that's because I have had um, plans to have the book published. Mm. So they can't read it at the moment, but eventually it will be available through the university. Okay. But now, it's also... It's it's not something that you'd sit down with your cup of coffee and yeah. in your favourite reading chair. It's as with any thesis, it's it's an academic artefact. It follows a specific formula. You you get um, the story and the argument, but yeah, it's not the most user friendly format. So we look forward to to, to, to seeing the book now, um, Kristen. You also have a bookshop in Canberra. I certainly do. Well, uh, in conjunction with my husband, it's um, Alexander Fax Booksellers. And we specialise in Australian military history, but we sell other other books as well. And where is the shop? It's in a little suburb called Mawson, which is on the south side, um, sort of beyond the bridge, sort of close to Woden, if you know Canberra very well. Mm -hmm. But we also operate online and we do mail order. So we're... we're we're here in Canberra, but in a sense, we're out there as well. And we'll make sure we put the links up on the podcast. And your oh, uh, a, a link to your website is www.kristenalexander.com.au. Um, let's uh, let's look forward to the book and let's catch up again once the book is is published. 
That's the podcast for today. We're keen to hear your feedback, and if you're listening to us via iTunes or other podcast apps, please leave a review. Your reviews help others find our podcast, and you can help support this podcast via Patreon or Buy Me A Coffee. The links are on our website and our Facebook page, and your support helps us with the production of this podcast. Thanks for listening.